Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. This reading is from the Gospel of Mark. That's 1 Mark, chapter 29, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, he took her hand, and he helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after the sunset, the people brought Jesus, all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many, de many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found them, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of our Lord. Ben, thank you. For those that haven't met Ben before, he's actually our church warden. And as he delights in telling me, that means that in certain circumstances, he is able to arrest you. <laughs> I think those circumstances are really quite limited. Uh, but there we go. Beware. You have been warned. Okay. We are going to watch a brief video, and then I will introduce... Bishop Paul. Welcome to the Diocese of Sutherland, Nottingham. We're part of the Church of England and we're on the ground in every community across the city and county. We're committed to making a real difference. We're inspired by the love of God and we believe that every person living in our world matters to God, whoever they are. We do believe that because of Jesus, there is hope for our world. And there is truth that can set every person free. So we meet in all sorts of ways and times, in church buildings, people's homes, and in schools, and cafes, and community spaces. We meet to encounter God's presence in worship, to build community together, and to pray and to hear the Bible read and taught so that we can learn together to walk in the way of Jesus. We want people to know these three things, that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible because God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is renewing the church with a fresh, 
bold vision for our world. And we are convinced that faith in God touches every area of life. We are praying that every person will discover their God-given potential and their intrinsic value and ultimately their eternal destiny. I have to tell you that we don't always get things right and we still have a lot to learn. Yet, 1400 years after the first Christians were baptized in the River Trent, there is still nothing better anyone can do with their life than become a follower of Jesus Christ. You are welcome to join us on this journey. Well, it is our joy, it's my joy to introduce Bishop Paul Williams to you this morning. Now, I know many of you will already be very familiar with Bishop Paul. He's spoken here over the last seven years a number of times. And if you don't know him, if you don't know the story of Trinity, you should know that this church was, at least humanly speaking, his idea. Uh, more than that, you should, you should know that he showed... Uh, a significant amount of courage to entrust the responsibility of leading this church to Amy and to me, uh, given that when he agreed to the idea, neither one of us was ordained, <laughs> let alone had finished a curacy. That put us in, a, I think, possibly a unique situation, and certainly, probably from his perspective, a fairly perilous one. Nonetheless, uh, I think that's just a sign of one of the things I most appreciate about Bishop Paul and his leadership, which is he is creative and also tremendously courageous. He is a, a very rare thing, which is to say he is an apostolic leader in the Church of England. And he, Sarah, and his boys have been a huge encouragement to us, to Amy and I, to our family and to this church since our arriving here in Nottingham. And we simply would not be here uh, and in the shape that we're in, were it not for him, were it not for his family, his leadership. So can you please give an enormously warm welcome this morning to Bishop Paul. Just, uh, just before you speak to us, Bishop Paul, I'm not going to interview you because we decided beforehand that that would be redundant. But we do have a gift uh, for you on, from the church. Amy's going to bring that, a token of our appreciation. You can open it at the end if you, if you should like to. We have to get another one for later on. He's preaching twice. <laughs> it's good. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Father God, thank you. Thank you for the way that you inspire us through the brotherhood and the sisterhood of faith. Thank you that you give us people to encourage us in our faith, to lead us. And we honor today our leader, Bishop Paul. We honor Sarah. We honor the boys. We honor the ministry they have had in this diocese and they continue to have. And Lord, we just, we just pray blessing. We pray enrich them, sustain them, heal them. I pray, Lord, that the years to come would be abundant, and joyful, would you greatly embolden them in this season to come? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.
Thank you, Johnny and Amy, and um, good morning, everyone. It's really good to be here um, on this uh, very warm morning. Thank you for whoever set up the fan that's kind of sending some air circulating around this space. And if you haven't already spotted, there is water. Uh, someone, again, has wonderfully sort of put some water over on that side of the, of the room as well. So thank you, Johnny, for this. I'm going to make good use of that. And uh, you, But you don't need... if. if watching me drink water and it's going to make you more thirsty but it may be that you need to kind of just get up and don't worry especially if you're this side of the building thinking I'm a long way from the water I won't mind at all if you want to move around in fact I was preaching um just before the summer at um hmm, let's drink some water I was preaching at um uh, God's Vineyard which is a church over on the other side of uh, of Nottingham on the west side um Pastor Ezekiel who's been the pastor there for some time um invited me to come and preach um at their evening service and um uh, just at the beginning of the service, they, they kind of brought what I kind of realized was the preacher's kit, which was, um, this is a Pentecostal church, a um, uh, uh, wonderful congregation. Um, it was a fairly young congregation that night. Um, and they brought me two bottles of water and a towel. And I was kind of thinking, great, I'm going to me a towel. And then I only realized the service got going and Ezekiel, uh, Pastor Ezekiel was kind of really leading through the worship. And he'd needed his towel quite a few times just to kind of, uh, sort of dry himself down, I was thinking, ah, that's what the towel's for. And then I suddenly had this sense of, oh my goodness, will my, will my message be a little bit of a kind of like failure if I don't need the towel? <laughs> like, I'm going to need to kind of make sure that I need the towel at some point, and at least some of the uh, bottles of water that they'd so graciously given to me. And, um, and there was a moment, I, uh, I think I was about three quarters of the way through, and I suddenly thought, the towel. <laughs> quickly. I didn't really need it, but I kind of thought that was the honoring their care. They were so caring, so welcoming. And, um, and I, was, I was inspired by what God had given me to say. And, um, and, and we all preach in different ways and, and, and trust that God is going to speak. And, and I did that day. I trusted the Lord for what he would say, but I didn't, I didn't need the towel as much as maybe um, uh, some were, were either hoping or expecting. But um, it, it is warm in here. We probably, I, did, I was here last week, actually. It was wonderful to be here. And I found myself thinking at one point, I wonder whether you could grow tomatoes here, actually. It's a kind of like a second trinity sort of like industry. Because it's like, at this time of the year, it can sometimes feel a bit like a greenhouse, can't it? But anyway, there's enough about conditions. It's a wonderful spot. I, I thank God so much every time I come here. And as Johnny said, um, we were kind of shared the story, the journey of God at work in this place from the very beginning. And, and, um, and so coming into this space for the very first time with Johnny and Amy, I'll never forget that. And, and, uh, and so when I come in, and, and um, very often just when I got a Sunday uh, where I'm not out somewhere else in, in the diocese to come here and just to be here and receive and, um, and look around and just thank God for all that he's done and all that he's doing um, and, uh, and for this amazing space uh, that he's entrusted to Trinity Church and, um, and now the, the, the space, the, the ministry uh, that's uh, developing at St. Andrews and all the other things, the other places and spaces where God is at work. Um, but there's something about being here, and uh, as Johnny said earlier, being here to worship, which I just always find so moving and so encouraging. And so I was really encouraged, I was excited, and I was ready for action after last Sunday. Those of you who were here, maybe you felt uh, the same, felt like me, um, and uh, if you weren't, catch up uh, with uh, that message that Johnny brought last Sunday, a vision message for the beginning of this new season 
Um, it was just so encouraging uh, for me personally. Um, and I, it struck me that even if you're fairly new at Trinity um, and you've only just completed your stick for six, um, that I, I mean, I, I hope that you realize how blessed you are um, to be part of what God is doing here. Um, and, and Trinity Church, let me just say, you are a great blessing to me and to Sarah and to our family and to the, the diocese, to the, the core team who, who serve with me and alongside me in different ways. And um, uh, I think Tours was, was going to, I don't know whether Tours is here this morning. Is she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tours is here this morning. He's part of that team. So one of the uh, two archdeacons um, in the diocese. And sometimes the other members of the teams just get to drop in and be a part. And I think I did see Liz, who, um, Liz and, and Andy. Um, Andy is, is bishop uh, with me. We serve together. And um, Liz and her uh, children are part of the, the, the congregation here as well. So you are a great blessing to us, to the diocese. And Johnny and Amy, you have been and are an extraordinary blessing to me and to this family here. I mean, we, we thank, it, it wasn't, yeah, uh, yeah well, that's, we want to say that because we, we celebrate everything that the Lord has done and is doing, which includes in our lives. But I, it, there have been some challenging moments where we've just been sort of clinging on, I know, and there's some moments where we're going, I'm just trusting you, Lord, for what's coming next. And it was something of that, moment when we sat in that coffee shop and said, okay, what about it? <laughs> and you kind of said, I really think this is what God has put on our hearts. And I said, I think it is. And we knew it was a risk, not because you hadn't been ordained yet, but because this, there was just this sense, I think this, I think this is really big. I think this is a significant thing in the heavenly realms, eternally. And, and, and that moment that was just a, a cup of coffee it was so much more than that, and we see some of that now, and, and your faithfulness, and, and, and your commitment, and your love, and, and all that you, you together, and with your family, pour out here, and in Nottingham, and, and, and in the diocese. We thank God so much for you. Um, there are lots of things I would like to say to encourage and affirm all of you. Trinity Church this morning, it feels like as I've been preparing for... Um, and looking forward to this Sunday, it feels like I've got about five sermons I could fill. Um, and don't worry, I have narrowed it down to one. Um, but there is so much that I would love to say. And so what I've been just trusting is that the Spirit of God, especially over the last week, would just help me to know what, what is it that I could offer. And I feel there's sort of great trust placed in me by Johnny asking me to sort of like preach straight after Vision Sunday. This is the moment where it could like kind of high and then kind of, whoa, the bishop's coming. Whoa. Uh, I, no, I'm hoping that wasn't your expectation this morning that we were about to come down from the top of the mountain. But I kind of felt, actually, that's quite a trust um, to be placed. And, and, I, and I, um, I sort of just wanted to pray over the last week and, um, and uh, especially yesterday, is praying that God would just put on my heart the things that he wants to bring as an encouragement to affirm and assure you, above all, of the presence of Jesus with you, 
at this point, at this time, and particularly in light of some of the really important things that Johnny was sharing last week. So as I said, I've narrowed it down to one sermon, one message, and my text for this morning is really simply just one verse from Mark, chapter 1 and verse 38, where Jesus said to his disciples, let us go somewhere else. That's it. Let us go somewhere else. This was a defining moment for the core group of disciples that had begun to form around Jesus early in his ministry. They were about to learn a fundamental discipleship lesson that devoted followers of Jesus will always be on the move because Jesus is always on the move. And this is the story of the church all over the world from the day of Pentecost on, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is always on the move. And it's the story of the church in this diocese, not just over uh, in recent times, um, the kind of story that some of us have been a part of, but over 13 centuries and more, as that brief video kind of reminded us, at least since the time that St. Paulinus uh, baptized new converts in the River Trent around about 625 AD. That's a few years ago. Um, um, and some of those people almost certainly were the people who went on to plant the first churches in this region and in this city. And there is so much that we can learn, and there is so much we can celebrate from the story of Jesus on the move in this city and in the wider county. But like um, Johnny last week, um, I want to start more recently and uh, more personally. Not seven years ago, where Johnny began last week, but, um, but just over eight years ago. And here's a photograph, eight years ago. This photo was taken on the 31st of July, 2015. Um, the backdrop behind me, I was taking the photo just behind me, uh, there were uh, two big uh, removal uh, lorries that had just finished filling uh, those lorries with what had come out of that door, the place in which we had lived for six years as a family. Um, it's a story that I haven't got time to tell this morning about how we ended up living there and the ministry that God called us to there. But this was the moment, this was the day, uh, eight years ago, when we were about to shut the door. And so we just kind of grabbed a photo. I think we're looking at, I think we must have done most of the packing the night before, because I think they're looking sort of quite relaxed at this point. But it, this was a big step. This was a, this was a big moment where, uh, for us, um, in much the same way as those who saw that um, photo last week that Johnny shared. Um, it was in the car, wasn't it, as you were driving up to Nottingham. Um, and I thought I'd kind of start this week with a photo um, of us making that journey. Now, just three months before this photo, if I show just another photo, this photo was taken as I preached my final sermon um, at a farewell service as Bishop of Kensington. That's what I was doing uh, in London. I was one of the area bishops in London. I was um, serving in West London, helping to, to look after about 120 churches in West London. Um, and on that particular occasion, I had just preached on this same text that I'm uh, preaching on this morning, where Jesus said, let us go somewhere else. And that's what we were about to do. And that's uh, what we had done before, and we were trusting God 
uh, that is he was calling us to somewhere else, a part of the country that we really didn't know at all. But we absolutely, we were clear that he was calling us. And that wasn't just me and Sarah. That, that was true for Edward and Thomas and Joseph as well. And you can see, if you can work out roughly from their ages, for them, it meant leaving friends behind and moving to a new place and starting at new schools. And some, some of you may have little ones or children you know who've just done that in the past week. Maybe they've moved, but at least started back at school or started at a new school, and you'll know just how challenging um, that can be. Um, now, a lot has happened since then, um, and many other people have been called to serve in this city and in this diocese. Um, quite a number of you here. Many people have been refreshed and strengthened for a new season of following Jesus. And others have been nurtured and called to serve him in new ways. People are already here, but somehow they've been called and given a fresh calling to be part of what God is doing. Um, now, fast forward just for a moment, just to put things in context. This is us a month ago, including now our daughter-in-law, Emma, who was uh, married to Edward last uh, summer. Um, and uh, they've just started, in fact, as, as primary school teachers this past week. I don't know, are there any other teachers in the kind of congregation this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm now looking through a new set of eyes. I've looked at it as a, as a pupil. I've looked at it as a parent. Um, uh, I'm now looking at it, the journey starting out in a, like your first year teaching in a, in a school. Um, and... Um, Wow, uh, amazing. And we thank God so much for the, the ones whom he has called to, to live out part of their ministry in education, in, in our schools. Um, we pray for you. We thank God so much for you. Um, now, that's all the photos you're going to get. Um, and I'm not sharing these because I want to turn this message into a personal bio. But I want, to, I want you to know... Um, that as a diocesan bishop, as the diocesan bishop here in Sutherland, Nottingham, and this is, is equally true for Andy Emerton, who's, who's a bishop with me, I am first and always and only a follower of Jesus, seeking to be on the move with Jesus. That is who I am. Uh, and that's who Sarah is and our, our boys. Seeking to keep my eyes fixed on him. Sometimes, with such passionate joy and confidence at what he's doing, that I can't wait to get going and step into another day and into another week and into another season. And sometimes, like Jehoshaphat, all I can do is pray, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And sometimes I've prayed that in faith, and sometimes I've prayed that in desperation, um, and faith still, but... Uh, God, and I just want you to know that. And like any disciple, any follower of Christ, sometimes I get distracted. And sometimes I get discouraged. And I need to turn my eyes again to Jesus. And this would be my biggest prayer request of you, Trinity Church, and for me, for Sarah, for the core team who serve together sharing in, in the oversight of what God is doing in this diocese, would you pray for us that we will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Um, because it's all about him. And when he moves, we want to go on moving with him. And church, I hope that's what you want to do. Um, 
And as Johnny shared um, just last week, the why of the church is Jesus and the gospel of his kingdom. Learning to live our lives under, under Christ's rule and reign. That's what the church is. Uh, praying for his kingdom to come. Seeing his kingdom come above all in people's lives. And that's why as the church, um, we are outposts of Jesus' kingdom presence and power in the world. And at the moment, in this diocese, we have a, 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 about 310 local churches that are outposts of God's kingdom here in this city and um, in towns and in villages all across uh, the, the, the Nottinghamshire and a little bit of South Yorkshire as well. That's the diocese. We're a network of churches. We're a family of churches. We're connected to one another in Christ. And we're part of the church of God. There are other churches, outposts of the kingdom of God, different denominations here in the city and around the county. And we're partners together in Christ. And your vision for this next season here at Trinity um, is not only inspiring, it is also very closely aligned to what is emerging at the moment for us in the wider diocese. Over recent months, we've been thinking and praying and planning and praying and praying and planning and, and trusting the Lord for a refreshed vision and strategy for growing disciples looking towards 2030. Um, and as you saw in that short video, um, that is our single priority as a diocese. And it shouldn't be any surprise. Making and growing devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. Um, and right now, there really is more opportunity than ever before. More opportunity to see the church revived and renewed for the purpose for which we were called. The why of the church. More opportunity than even the opportunities that I was able quickly to see with others who were already here eight years ago and seven years ago. And I think I need to keep Amy's clear and impassioned call for more defiance on some kind of loop. On, I just kind of, I think almost daily to go back to that, Amy. Um, that was, um, for those who weren't here, that was about having more confidence and courage to take the authority of Jesus that's been given to us and to cry out to God for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit as we push back the darkness, as we see the authority and the power of Jesus released in every community and into more and more lives. And we need to be more defiant about that. And I've thought so much about that this week. So um, that's gonna, I'm going to keep going back to that. Um, and then with all my heart... I believe this is a season for more urgency um, and zeal in the purposes of God. There really is no time just to kind of hang around and just kind of wait for some clue or some sign. We need to get on and to step into what God is calling us to do and to be. I visited um, over the summer. We had a kind of different sort of summer for various reasons than the one that I was expecting. But it contained, as sometimes happens, all sorts of wonderful little surprises which God used. And, and it included a visit to the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton, um, Illinois, um, towards the beginning of the summer, uh, summer in the States. And um, it struck me as I was kind of just making the journey through uh, that, um, that uh, kind of um, center that, that tells not just the story of Billy Graham, but the story of um, evangelism and mission, the move of the Spirit of God and the Spirit uh, of Jesus 
um, uh, around the world um, as God moved and empowered and, uh, people to, to participate in what he was doing. And that included the story of Billy Graham as part of that, uh, along with another of my um, uh, all-time heroes, uh, somebody called D.L. Moody. But one of the quotes that was there as part of that um, uh, visit uh, was uh, this, uh, these words by uh, Billy Graham. He said this, he said, some people say there are many closed doors around the world. He said, I am not concerned about the closed doors. God has the power to open them in his timing. I am concerned about the ones that are open and that we do not enter. And and so people used to kind of, I mean, Billy Graham had to cope with quite a lot of criticism, quite a lot of hostility towards him um, during his his life and his ministry. Um, and, And criticism about where he chose to focus and step into mission and ministry um, and to preach the gospel. Um, and, but what, what he said mattered to him more than anything else was to go where there were doors that were open um, and to trust God that he would open those doors that weren't yet open. And that, my friends, is what continues to inspire and motivate me more than anything else. God has opened so many doors to us already And most of the 1.2 million people living across the city and the county um, who do not know how greatly they are loved by God and that there is a life-changing living hope that they can receive for themselves in the risen Jesus. They can know that the the same Jesus that, that we celebrate this morning in worship, they can know that Jesus and the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And, uh, and that is why those open doors matter. Uh, and that's why we need to be a church on the move, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, even when we, know, uh, we don't know what to do or where he might be leading us next. He will show us. And we have a clear sense um, that the diocesan focus for growing disciples over the next season should be about asking the Holy Spirit for more compassion, more confidence and more courage in our discipleship, the compassion of God, the confidence of of God, the the confidence that God gives to us that assures us of our identity as children, his children, dearly loved, and courage to share the story he has given to us, the story um, that is utterly transformational. Now, I can't be sure what this will mean, though we're kind of at the moment and and through this autumn, we're going to be setting out some of those plans uh, that include uh, a focus on accelerating the revitalizing and planting of new worshiping communities, as well as being bolder and even more intentional in reaching and discipling emerging generations. And that includes uh, the 75 Church of England uh, schools that uh, we have been entrusted with in this diocese. It's an extraordinary area of ministry. Some of you may not know, we have, as you, Trinity, because you're part of this, we have, you and me, have 75 schools. That's, that's quite a lot of responsibility. Um, and it's an extraordinary opportunity given to us to, to care for those children and their families, uh, to nurture them in, in their education, and to, to help them to lay a unique foundation for their lives, to have the opportunity of having Jesus as the foundation of your lives. Um, 
to know Jesus. That's our prayer for every child, every young person coming into those schools. Um, and seven of them are secondary, large secondary schools. Um, and there are so many stories I, I, I'd love to share with you, um, uh, but let me just tell you just very briefly about one, just a, a sense of, of, of what is God doing that, that we, we're just sensing uh, and trusting God for more. Um, I, three years ago now, I visited one of those primary schools um, in a, a village uh, about 12 miles outside Nottingham called Farnsfield. It's a fairly large village. About, um, it's now got about 2,000 people in the community because they've had quite a lot of new housing. And I'd been invited by the head teacher who'd been there, one of our most experienced head teachers. He was coming towards the end of his career. He was going to be retiring at the end of the year. And he said he'd just love me to drop in and into the school if I, if I would. He realized I hadn't had a chance to go to Farnsfield Primary School. And I said, I'd love to. And he said, well, come in on a day when we've got an assembly and we'll have a chat afterwards. And I said, that would be great. And I said, I'd love to have a chance to pray with you as you come up towards your last two terms in that school. Um, and, um, and so I went in to, and I got in there in time for the assembly. And I was blown away by the assembly. Um, he led it. And... The children in this assembly, and I don't always encounter this. This was something quite different. They weren't just singing songs. They were worshipping. The songs they were singing, I was thinking, these are amazing. And, and what was happening in that, in that space with uh, about 250 or so children, maybe more than that, um, is they were worshipping. And I was really blown away by that. And we went into his study afterwards, and I said, Tony, that was amazing. They were worshipping. And he said, yeah, I know. I said, that's what, what's been happening here. And I said, look, tell me a bit more. And he shared something about his vision and for going into teaching and what he'd been doing as a head teacher. And I said, wow. Um, and I asked him to tell me a bit about the links with the, the local church in Farnsfield. And they said, he said, they've been brilliant. They're, they're so welcoming and, and friendly. And some of them come, some of that um, small congregation come in and help out here and there where they can in school. And he said, one of the things that's, he said, we always take um, with a few of the festivals, Harvest and uh, Christmas and Mothering Sunday. He said, we, we always take the school choir, get some of the children to go across on the Sunday and they'll sing on a Sunday morning. And their parents come along, he said, and it's, it's always wonderful. And he said, one of the sadnesses for me, and they, we're, we're, they give us a great welcome, but he said, I just know that I can't um, say to them, hey, you can come back next week here because they don't really have their children's ministry geared up for that, and it's not quite the service um, that will connect with most of those parents in terms of where they're at. Um, and from time to time, he said, people do. They kind of get involved. But, but he said, I'd love something It's kind of new to happen that maybe alongside what they're doing would just be a breath of fresh air. And, and, and I said, wow. Um, and and how, would, how would we get something like that started? And he said, well, I think it would probably take starting midweek in the school. He said, I think after school, maybe. And I said, well, what about an after school kind of like worship community? Like not just for the children, but the parents could come in and carers and staff if they want to. There were a couple of other Christian staff in that school. And I said, and we could just start there. And he said, oh, that would be amazing. And I said, but Tony, you're only, you're finishing at Christmas. And this was like about May time. I said, how, how are we going to make, I said, that's really that's quite hard to imagine. And he said, well, let's just try it. 
And I said, well, that would be, that would be brilliant. And I kind of spoke to the church, and, the, and this time I should have said the church, the, the priest who'd been serving there part-time, I mean, he uh, house for duty, which means he wasn't receiving a stipend. He was there serving towards the end of his ministry, come and served there faithfully for three or four years. He had just moved on. He just kind of retired again um, and moved away. And so they weren't, they didn't have sort of local leadership. Um, and um, I said, well, we can't wait. Tony's retiring at the end of the year and head teachers are really important in this and kind of opening that door and the door is wide open we need to try and do something so I spoke to somebody called Chris he was coming towards the end of his curacy he was serving in a church in in, in Woolerton and I said Chris I you, I know you have a heart for for children and, and for schools and 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 he was he's a great worship leader I said Chris could you come and help out a bit I just I think it would just be really good if somehow we could find a way to help this church and this school and this head teacher to work out how could they prepare the ground at least and make a start to respond to what God seems to have just opened the door to. And, and Chris, I said, don't worry, I'm not expecting, this is not like a kind of, kind of clever, subtle way of trying to make you the vicar of that church. Because Chris had already told me, I think God is calling me to stay in, in the city or to be in urban context. I said, I understand that. I respect that. I just would like to see whether you could come and help us. I kind of was praying that maybe God might. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I was thinking maybe, but I was genuinely, there was, there was no expectation that that would be the outcome. And so he got on the ground and came across and a uh, couple of times a week. And over the, between June and, and, and the summer, he felt, he and his wife Trina felt a really clear calling to come and be part of this. And we entered into some conversations with that little congregation there and said, what about making a different kind of appointment, appointing somebody to come and at, from day one to step into the new things that God um, has for this place and to work with Tony in his last term um, and to see what God might do. And, and, and we move fast. We kind of really got the skates on, and Archdeacon was on the ground, kind of working, working some of the practicalities out. And, and Chris um, and, and Trina uh, moved in in time for September. So you get a sense of how quickly this has come together. And Tony's thrilled, and, uh, and the congregation are kind of going, whoa, what's happening here? But they were kind of, we'd built a little team which included some of them to be part of this. And they started the new midweek um, service, this worshiping community for, for the, at the school. I think they started it at the beginning beginning of October. Um, so Tony got to be a part of it. Uh, and, uh, and it continued right up until they went into COVID, uh, which of course was the next March. Um, and that was challenging for them. But they were trusting God that the, the, the new things, the people who'd been gathered, the, there were about um, 80 or 100 people who were coming each week to that, that new worshiping community. And, and they, they, they worked really hard to stay connected to them during COVID. And they did things online, and, and they, they still retained the plan to start a new worshiping community on a Sunday. Um, and they were able to begin to do that online, and then coming out of COVID, they were able to get that new worshiping community started on a Sunday. Um, and, and those both midweek and Sunday continue to be a just a flourishing place in which uh, new disciples are being made and formed, not just amongst the children, but parents and others across that community. And I, I share that because it's just one and of, there's so many opportunities, and they don't all look quite like that, although, do you know, there are about 30 others that do look not unlike that, 
um, schools which are saying, we would love to do something that's like that. And that the local church near to them, um, many of those churches, in fact, nearly all of them go, we would love to see something like that. But there's not enough of us, particularly in some of our villages and smaller communities or where the church has been worn down and, and, and people are crying out for God to do something new. And we would love to see a, a, a way of responding to this extraordinary thing. And there are many other opportunities as well. Um, and let me just say, at Trinity, you're already part of this. this is, I'm not talking about something that you're not yet kind of as it were, you are fully part of it. And there's a lot of stuff that, we're, that, that, that God is doing around the diocese, around the city and county, and not just in Wilford and, uh, and Lady Bay and, and, and very soon in, in, in the Meadows, and, um, but, but actually in places which, um, where the people who've been inspired, have been part of here, um, people who are still part of here, are making an enormous difference, helping something to the, where Jesus is on the move, they've moved in to encourage and be a part of it um, in, in, in various ways that I haven't got time to talk about this morning. Um, now, whatever it may mean for our diocese and for Trinity and for each one of us to continue to be on the move with Jesus, in the second part of this message, I want to just go right back into Mark's gospel and I want to share with you three things that we should anticipate. Um, if we're going to long for more of Jesus' presence, if we're going to stay close to him. And these are really important things for us, I think. In chapter 1 of Mark's gospel, and Johnny started in, in, in Mark uh, 1 last week, uh, Mark, with his, there's a kind of trademark uh, to, to, to this gospel. It's kind of good, isn't it? Trademark. Um, there's an energy and there's a pace about this gospel. Uh, and you get that sense uh, from the very beginning. Mark is describing the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. Jesus has already started calling out a few people to join him in advancing the good news of God's kingdom. And at verse 35, Mark records that during the mission to Capernaum, the town is buzzing with excitement at all the amazing things that they have seen and heard. Um, and Jesus gets up, we're told, very early the next morning to pray. That was his pattern. The disciples were soon to discover that. And he, he gets out of the village and he goes to a solitary place, a place where he could be alone to pray. And Simon Peter and the others um, come to find him. And they seem bewildered. And, and in fact, they seem exasperated with Jesus as they tell him, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> everyone. Like you can just imagine the village they left. Where's Jesus? Where's he gone? There's, there's more I wanted to do in, in this, and we, we, we want to spend more time with him today. And they've gone to find him, and, and, and it's as though they're saying, Jesus, we've got momentum on our side here in Capernaum. This can be our base. This is where we can consolidate the gains, early gains we've made. They love us here. Let's stay here, Jesus. And that's when Jesus says, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. That is why I've come. And so off they go. They leave Capernaum. Jesus and his followers walk away from the seductive draw of success and popularity. They leave a place where they felt secure and where things were going well because Jesus has one goal, to announce the coming kingdom of God elsewhere and everywhere. And this is no time to settle down. 
Now, one interpretation that I don't want you to take away from this message this morning is that God is asking every single one of you to go somewhere else, okay? At least not now. Um, Maybe a few, but I don't want you to think that's the application. I'm sure you've already worked out. It's much deeper and much more exciting than, than, than just sort of telling people to go somewhere else. My prayer for each one of us and the churches and the life of our diocese is that we will stay on the move with Jesus. And that may not result um, for many, many years in a change of house or a change of job. And in fact, you know, there's some people I've met since coming to Nottingham over the last eight years, people who have resisted the lure of a move up the housing market or even to move to a new job. And they've resisted that out of obedience to Christ because they believed that God was asking them to stay living in the community and in the city where God had called them to serve um, because they were staying close to Jesus. They were staying on the move with what Jesus was doing. And here's what I believe every disciple should anticipate. This is what we should expect if we're going to stay close to Jesus, stay on the move with Jesus. And I'm going to draw very briefly here on some insights from uh, Rowan Williams, um, uh, former archbishop, great theologian. He expresses these very movingly in a little book he's written on being disciples. If you've never read it, it's a great little read. First of all, he says that staying close to Jesus means learning to be attentive and expectant in prayer. Or I don't know whether he said that. That was my interpretation of what he was saying in part of that. Staying close to Jesus means, first of all, learning to be attentive and expectant in prayer. Rowan Williams put it like this. He said, I have always loved that image of prayer as bird watching. I don't know whether there are any bird watchers, twitchers here this morning. Um, Sarah's not here, otherwise she'd have to put up her hand. Um, You sit, um, he said, you sit very still because something is liable to burst into view. And sometimes it means a long day sitting in the rain uh, with nothing very much happening. I suspect that for most of us, a lot of our experience of prayer can sometimes be like that. But the odd occasions when you see what T.S. Eliot called the kingfisher's wing flashing light to light makes it all worthwhile. And I think that living in this sort of expectancy is basic to discipleship. And that's what the disciples are learning here with Jesus. Um, Very early in the morning, they find, first of all, what is he doing? It's dark. There's, There's much to do still in Capernaum. Jesus has got up, left the house, and gone off to a solitary place where he prayed. And the disciples learn early on just how significant prayer was to Jesus' own ministry and the power that he exercises, which is why it's the only topic on which they specifically ask Jesus for help. Lord, teach us how to pray. Um, And they soon learned that prayer was not a preparation or a spiritual warm-up for mission, It was the single most important ingredient in sustaining the spiritual vitality essential to the mission of God, being attentive to God. Because it's through prayer that we pour out our hearts to God. We pray for our world and for our city and for our county. And we learn to resist the pull to stay in the safe places. And that's why we pray together as the church. Um, And and we started about a year ago uh, a pattern of a diocesan day of prayer. It's 
coming up this Thursday. It's the second Thursday of the month, which actually brilliantly coincides with Fuel, which started almost coincidentally at almost the same time, because that's starting up again, I think, isn't it? Um, this Thursday for young people, praying, encountering worship, drawing close to God. Um, and that's been thrilling just to be part of that. And particularly, we wanted it to uh, bring together people who are in some of those places where they're kind of serving the Lord and being faithful, but it's, it's hard and tough, and sometimes they feel alone. And we wanted there to be a place where they could come together, and they could just come and receive. And so, um, and Neil has been, uh, and some of the team have been so gracious in coming out on a Thursday evening. We've been hosting it in Southwell, because it's pretty much geographically the center of the diocese. And people have come in to, to worship at... Um, uh, quarter to eight, um, and, and people have come for supper as well. Far too many people coming for supper. So we have to reorder that. We kind of packed, just said, we decided, Sarah and I, well, let's just invite anyone who's coming for prayer if they want to come for supper first. They're welcome to do so. And some people have come to Evensong in the cathedral and where they prefer a slightly more traditional pattern or just want to come for a very quiet service. And we've had 70, 80 people for, packed into our house. It's a big house, so we can do that. Um, it's a blessing. Uh, but even that it was it kind of stretched us, um, especially in the wintry months. Had that many people just coming for a, for a quick supper, and, and, to, um, and we're going to continue that, but we're going to make it a bit more focused around um, the different parts of the diocese. But we're going to be worshiping and praying, because we want to, in, to encounter, we want to seek more of the presence of God, more of His power. We want to keep our eyes on Him, um, and to encourage people into that. Which leads to a second aspect of staying close to Jesus, that, that it will mean going to some unexpected and uncomfortable places. It will, if we're going to stay close to Jesus. Again, Rowan Williams puts it so well. He said, in the gospel, where the master goes is very frequently not where we would have thought of going or would have wanted to go. Hence the language of taking up the instrument of our execution, the cross, and walking his way. Familiar and pious language, which we need to hear afresh as the chilling and sobering summons it really is. You see, Jesus said, he who would follow me, he who wants to stay close to me, he who will move with me must take up their cross, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. It's going to be costly. And this is why Jesus doesn't try to make disciples by lowering the bar. And neither should we. In fact, he frequently warns those following him that there will be trouble ahead. It will be battles and blessings all the way. And over the past 14 years since becoming a bishop, um, the blessings have been more wonderful than I could ever have imagined. And, and that, especially in these last eight years, there have been amazing blessings. And Trinity, you are a big part of that. But I have to tell you that the battles have been fiercer than I have ever known or could have imagined. Sometimes it's hard. And staying on the move with Jesus is not going to make it an easy ride. But I believe with all my heart, and I've come to know that we will experience more joy. And we will see the awesome power of God like never before if we will stay close to Jesus and on the move with him. Which leads to a third thing we need to expect. And that is staying close to Jesus will mean keeping, learning to keep new company. Uh, being where Jesus is means being in the company of people whose company Jesus seeks. 
and keeps. That's how it works. That's what the disciples learned quite quickly. We are going to be in the company of whoever Jesus is seeking to be in the company of. Um, and all through the Gospels, we find that often draws some of the harshest criticism uh, for the company that Jesus was keeping. Um, once more to Rowan Williams, he says, Our discipleship is not about choosing our company, but choosing the company of Jesus. That's what we're doing. Or rather, getting used to the fact of having been chosen for the company of Jesus. That's why he says so many great Christians of Jesus across the history of the Christian church and indeed now find themselves in the company of people they would never have imagined being with had they not been seeking to be with Jesus where he is. And that's what Mark is showing us uh, from chapter 1 onwards that the focus of Jesus' ministry is among the people who least expected to be at the center of God's kingdom purposes. And that's my prayer for, for the city of Nottingham. And, and, for, and that's what I believe God is going to be doing over the, the coming months and, and years here and, and across the uh, diocese, that God is going to take us to places where people least expect to encounter the presence of Jesus, would least expect that Jesus would be interested in them, that they would be greatly loved by God. Um, and, and that's the place, those are the places that Jesus is going to take us. Um, and at times it gets fairly uncomfortable for the disciples because, frankly, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they are seriously offended by the focus of his mission. They, you see, do condemnation. They do that really well, in fact. Jesus offers forgiveness. They offer lifeless traditions. Jesus brings life in all its abundance. And so Jesus and his disciples experience high levels of hostility and ever-increasing aggression. And you see that in Mark's gospel and the other gospels. Yet in God's plan, in God's plan, what was intended for evil is turned into the glorious triumph, of course, of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We will face hostility and we should anticipate battles ahead. Sometimes we will mess up. Sometimes we will fail. And that's why I think it's important to, to see how much Jesus wanted his disciples with him, not just for teaching purposes, um, but for their company. He wanted to have them around him. He wanted their presence. For, he wanted to be in their company. He wanted to experience their comfort and their encouragement. And we see that all the way into the Garden of Gethsemane. And if Jesus needed it, you can be sure that you need it and I need it too. And this is why building close friendships and community together is an amazing gift. And I am incredibly thankful for strong Christian friends who've stood by me um, over the last eight years. People who've prayed for me and, and in the midst of some of the fiercest battles have, have just been there. I've been in the company of them. has made all the difference. So keep nurturing those friendships here at Trinity. Look out for the people, and you can give that gift to, um, to be a friend to them. And don't, don't be surprised that if, if you want to be a part of what God is doing 
and to be on the move with Jesus, he may ask you, give you the opportunity to befriend someone in a different context, a different setting. You haven't got to move away from Trinity to be part of what God is doing elsewhere, but your presence already, some of you, your partnership, your friendship towards people who are trying to respond to the call of God and doors he's opened in other places, those are already an extraordinary gift. You're in the company of people who need your company. And there may be uh, new ways in which God is going to call you into that. This diocese, as I said, is essentially a network of 300 churches or more with a team of pastors, um, including a couple of bishops who are pastors there. Um, and, and I'd love it. I'd love this diocese. It's one of the things we've been talking about as a core team. We'd love it to be defined, um, not just as kind of in terms of 310 or 350 or 400 local churches, um, but to be defined in the heavenly realms as a company of praying people, people who are seeking and longing for more of the presence and the power of Jesus to be released into their lives and into our churches for the sake of the eternal well-being and the destinies of people all across this city and county and beyond. And to ask as we pray for nothing less than a fresh revival of the Holy Spirit, starting with us. I'd love to say so much more about that and, and what that's uh, well, anyway, uh, been like in the story of this city, in this region. Maybe there'll be another occasion uh, to do that. Um, but I, I just want to say, um, I've already told you about D.L. Moody. I mentioned him earlier as one of my heroes of the faith. Um, by no means a perfect person, somebody who kind of was so conscious of his, his, his failings and his frailty, but somebody who was passionate more than anything else. He was passionate for the presence of God, for more of the presence and the power of God in his life and in the church. And this is why um, people who got to know him and served a long time, they said, this is why God used D.L. Moody so powerfully. And it's estimated, uh, for those who don't know anything about him, it's estimated that he preached the gospel to over 100 million people before the days of radio or television. Maybe you think about that. Um, sort of in the period from about 1870, uh, 80, or 1860 probably, on, on, onwards for about 30 years over a hundred million people heard him preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he prayed for them. As they turned to the Lord, he prayed for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And on one occasion, um, he, he spent time with little groups of pastors, encouraging them. On one occasion, with a group of fellow pastors, he said this, um, and I, I think the words have come up on the screen. He said, we all need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And let us not rest day or night, until we possess it, and if that is the uppermost thought in our hearts, God will give it to us if we are just hungry and thirst for it and say, God helping me, I will not rest until endued with power from on high. And that is what he prayed over and over again in the midst of the blessings and the battles that was the story of God at work in his life and at that time. Um, and you kind of, uh, hopefully you're thinking, yes, 
I'll press in that I thank God for the Spirit of God. He's given me a seal on my life through the Spirit. But I want to pray for more of the Holy Spirit, more of His power. I want to be endued with power from on high. I want to pray that for the churches. I want to pray that for this church, for all the churches across this city. But you know, it's going to be costly. Um, and on another occasion, um, D.L. Moody said this. He said, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and self-seeking and pleasure and the world, there is no room for more of the Spirit of God. And I believe many um, a man, that's a, he's using language um, collector, many a person is praying to God to fill him when he is already full with something else. So we have to be ready to, to kind of the cost of saying no to some of the things that fill our lives and we know hold us back from moving with Jesus um, and I know that I daily I, I need to go on searching my own heart in this and for D.L. Moody it was about being fully surrendered to God and filled with the Holy Spirit and that's my prayer for you Trinity Church um, as we stay close to Jesus on the move with him we pray that for the, the children who've been meeting this morning and um, and those who are going to meet this evening. We pray that for the, the youth. We pray that for what God has in store for the meadows and, and for that, that little group going with Joe and John to be part of that. We pray that for George and Katie in, in Wilford and, and, and for um, uh, Jonathan and uh, uh, Christine in, in Lady Bay. And, and we pray that for the people of God, the church of God all across this diocese, that we will, we will be ready to be uh, fully surrendered to God. And we will, we will not cease to pray. We will not rest until God endues us with power from on high, afresh for each new season. And that's where I want to close um, and to pray for that this morning. So I'm just going to um, ask if, if you'd like to stand, if you're able to. And, um, and I'm going to invite Johnny to come and pray for us um, and uh, that we would receive.